Welcome to the Life Well Done Podcast. Optimizing physical, mental, and emotional being. Challenge plus change equals growth. Growth, 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 growth. Welcome back, everybody, to the Life Well Done Podcast. This is Brian back with you. Um, very excited about our guest today. He is based out of New Jersey. Um, but before we get to that, I want to remind everybody you can find us on Instagram at Life Well Done and the same name at Twitter. Search us on YouTube and definitely be uh, sure to subscribe on iTunes for this podcast. Um, today's guest uh, is retired from the Army officially in 2012 from an injury. The first couple of years in the military were rocky at best for him, ultimately being forced out due to alcoholism and drug use. He admits that he began drinking at an early age of 12 years old and became a professional drinker. After being forced out of the military and being caught up with the law, stealing $5,000 from a job he was working at a bar, he got clean by going 90 days straight at meetings. It worked for him, and as he hasn't had a drink or a legal drug since. After a couple of years of sobriety, he decided the military was the right fit for him, this time in the National Guard as an infantryman. In a freak accident where a fellow soldier ran over his entire right side of his body, leaving him blind in one eye, he was forced out due to injury, albeit against his will. Today, he manages a GNC in New Jersey and helps veterans who either want to get back into shape or battling those same demons he was able to come to terms with. Through fitness in a Facebook group called Vetchpreneur Tribe, a group for veterans with entrepreneurial goals and 14,000 members, he goes on Facebook Live every Friday for Fitness Fridays, where he talks everything fitness, health, and even mental care. He's found great success in helping veterans get healthy again and finding a way to enjoy their life after their military experience expires. So without further ado, I would like to welcome my guest, Richard Kaufman. Richard, how are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me today. I'm, I'm truly, truly grateful. I'm, I'm blessed to have you on this, and I'm super excited to find out a little bit more about you and what you're doing. Um, okay. I'm excited to share this with my audience to see if anybody can help you out that way, too. Well, that's all, it's all fun, you know? It's all, t it's all, everybody's in here to help each other out. I love it. I love it. So uh, just kind of, I mean, I tried to give you a decent bio there. Hopefully, I summed up pretty well. but. Um, give me kind of your perspective on things. Um, I have a few questions for you, but kind of take me through that, that history. I know it's, what has that 30 some years there of between going in and then twice into the military and what made you go back, even with, um, ob the obvious struggles that you faced early on. Um, uh, I guess if you want to start with the military part, I got thrown out the first time. And the reason I joined the first time is because. I was a bum and I didn't have anything else to do. So that's why I joined the military and I figured, you know, I get to travel the world, get paid, you know, get paid to drink. So that's what I did. And I stayed in for two years and uh, I liked the military. They didn't like me and they decided to put me out because of nonconformity. I couldn't conform to the standards. Interesting. You know, um, Nate, uh, who's the co-host with me on this podcast, he's a, he's a former uh, military. He was an army medic. Um, and he, he's explained his, his struggles on the podcast as, as I have, but, um, he struggled with, um, some, some substance abuse essentially. And, um, fortunately was, was not the smoothest of, of exits from the military, but, uh, I guess, you know, in a way it all shapes, it shapes everything we do today. You know, all struggles, the, I always say struggle, uh, gives us progress. Right. So yeah, that's interesting. So you go out, you, you leave two years into it and this is the army branch, correct? Yes. Okay. So you, you're asked to leave after that. And what, what happens in between that time that you leave? Cause obviously you're struggling with some stuff there. 
um, and then checking back in. Okay. Well, here's here's what happened. I got thrown out in like I think eight, 88, 89, something like that. I don't even remember it so long ago. Um, and then I you, you went through the whole thing where I got arrested and all, and I and I got clean. Um, but what happened was um, I moved to South Carolina at this time. And, um, I mean, I moved to Pennsylvania and I decided, you know, I, I want to get back in, you know, I started feeling the itch again. Um, I went in and I started out good, but then I was about to get thrown out a second time, but it wasn't for the drugs and the alcohol. It was just because I was an asshole <laughs> and, um, they were about to throw me out for the second time. So I moved to South Carolina, joined the South Carolina National Guard. Um, was in there for, uh, from uh, 99 till 2001. And again, I was about to be thrown out again for being an asshole and, uh, you know, not conforming to standards. And then 9-11 happened. And me growing up in New Jersey, 15 minutes from the towers, um, something broke in me that day. It's all going to be in my book that's coming out next month. Very cool. And I just sat down and I broke down and I cried and I wept. And then I decided to dedicate the rest of my military career, if I had one, to the people that we lost on 9-11. So I went back the, the next day. Uh, and talk to my company commander and, and beg them to keep me. And they gave me a second chance. And with, within two years, I won soldier of the year. That's amazing. Talk about a change of story there. You're giving me chills just thinking about that. Uh, you're talking about the crying and the weeping and stuff. That, that's uh, what I've come to learn is that's, that's just shedding the layers. I mean, that's, that's getting the true self, right? I mean, it's not letting the external environment kind of dictate who you are. You kind of figured out this is, this is who I am and here's my purpose. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, but I, I can't explain what, what happened, but I just broke down and cried and wept. And then something just switched. Something just flipped, flipped a switch in my mind. I don't know what it was to this day. You said, how far away were you from, uh, from the city when, when the well, right now, uh, well, when it happened, I mean, I'm originally from Jersey, so I'm only like, 15 minutes into Manhattan. Okay. So we knew, we knew uh, some people that actually worked in the towers that day. That's uh, obviously a terrible uh, event there for us, but it turning that terrible into something great for you um, and, and kind of finding your purpose and service to, to the yeah. world. You know, it, um, out of tragedy, we find a lot of ourselves and, and how we're going to serve. Right. I, I think that's, that's a tough thing to find, but it's there for everybody. That that's uh, that's quite an amazing turnaround right there. Um, so, you you uh, you get the second chance. You're in. Uh, you check back in, and you you go in as an infantryman, right? Oh, actually, I went from infantry. Then when I moved back down to South Carolina, I got back into tanks again. Okay. So I became a tank commander. Gotcha. And so you you've been able to travel uh, quite a bit of the world uh, with this. Is that is that correct? Or um, I got I I had my good times in a lot of different places. Yes. Yeah. With favorite, it was fun. Favorite place though. Huh? <laughs> what was your favorite place though? As much as I remember was Germany. Germany. It's um 
you know, I'm, I'm having all these thoughts. I have a, I have a buddy that uh, very seriously was in the military and, and, you know, served a couple of times over overseas. And just the other day I was talking to him. And he's like, you know, I was good at what I did. And he just felt like he's like, I felt, I feel like the military was for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I've, I've just never understood that. Um, not the military for somebody, but just being like, Oh, this is, this is my calling. I've always been yeah. trying to find that. So that's, I love listening to people's stories about, uh, you know, in your case, kind of climbing out of the depths of hell uh, to, to work yourself into just probably a, a person of service at this point and, and kind of that's your goal. That's your, that's your purpose, your drive now. So um, yeah. that's, that's really great. Um, you know, so getting into a few more things now, like you, you, you now you're talking about, you go Facebook live a lot. Um, we're talking, I've referenced kind of being able to help a bunch of um, veterans uh, kind of figure out their fitness their mental care, all these things. What, explain that process to me because I have a couple questions about that. But well, you were started, well, to, well, to regress, um, anytime I, anywhere I ever lived or any uh, place I ever was stationed, I always had a job at the local GNC okay. or the local health food store. Um, and that was my first job at a high school. And by the way, I'm a ninth grade dropout. I don't have any, any education, but I've read over 6,000 books. Wow. Um, for you. But um, like I said, that's the only the job. Even any time I was on post, I either worked at, you know, uh, a health club or I worked at the gym. So it's always been that's always been another passion of mine. And it's something that I've continued now going on 32 years now. That's amazing. Good for you. It's, yeah. I know I'm a product of school systems and I, I still am, am intrigued by it and, and want to pursue it and possibly in the future. But um, it just goes to show you that it, you make what you want to make out of everything. So that, that's yeah. really great. Um, it, obviously, it's a passion to be in it for something that long and, and um, find still some kind of happiness in it. Because I know a lot of people, after that amount of time, it was like, fuck this. I'm, I'm tired. I'm only doing it to retire and all this stuff. But um, you know, even talking to you offline, you can tell that there's a, there's a real kind of like fire there for you and, and excitement and changes your energy when you start talking about it. So that's, that's very cool. Um, so building off of that then so this nutrition and fitness has kind of been this big part of your life obviously is kind of a focal point in how you connect with veterans and kind of essentially help them move forward yep. uh, in transition so explain to me kind of what, what you have going on over there in new jersey i know you you say you train a you have several clients stuff from kind of the more famous and popular but um i want to know more about about the veterans and what, what we're doing for them and you talk about the facebook lives and just kind of take me through that process. Okay, well, what happened was, this is the story that's why everything's coming big time in the last six months. About six months ago, I was on a friend's podcast. His name is Donnie Boyvin, and he has a podcast called The Success Champions. And we are, he were interviewing me about the health and fitness field. So I was going over what I do now, and then I started telling my backstory. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. I don't want to hear about the health and fitness stuff. The backstory is the most important thing because that's the way you can help out most people. And then I just started thinking about it. I'm like, wow, if I can just incorporate them both, the mental and the physical, because everything is mind, body, and soul. You know, if one thing is off, all three are going to be off. And then I just started doing, you know, podcasts and uh, Facebook Lives. And what I do is I do a Facebook Live every Monday. 
It's called the Mon- the Monday Night Comeback because awesome. they they call, they call me the Comeback Coach because I help people that are coming back from injuries and stuff. So I've been through so much stuff in my life. You know, I come back and I keep coming back hard. That, that's amazing. So uh, speaking on this, the the Facebook Lives, um, the the Vetchpreneur Tribe is that that's what it's called, right? The, the Facebook yep. you're involved in. Um, obviously, all this stuff essentially is is helping veterans and others um, through a yep. point, right? Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> you have your firsthand experience to it, and, and your, your friend is absolutely right. The backstory is what kind of makes this whole – it's the driver, right? Yeah. I don't think you're where you are enjoying what you do without those struggles and, and that, that experience. Yeah. Uh, but when you're working with veterans, where do, you, where do you start, first of all? And then I want to know what their biggest complaint is because they've got to have – several they've got to feel like it's them against the world at some point well i think the biggest part with veterans that i see is kind of like when they put me out of the military for the sec for you know when they retired me um after my struggles after i got big got got back in and i you know i gave my whole heart to the military um, then to one day just saying, okay, since you're blind in one eye, you can't shoot anymore. We don't need you. You're out. I'm going to have- right there. I want, let's explain that per- that thing. I know I, I referenced it in the, the intro, but I want let's, let's talk about the reason you're blind in one eye. Um, okay. I was backing up a Humvee and I, and the funny thing is I tell my wife all the time is I probably once or twice wore a helmet the whole time. I was backing up a Humvee, and instead of him hitting the brakes, he hit the gas and ran over my head and the whole right side of my body. And doing that, somehow I survived. I guess God was looking out for me. And I had a, uh, a, stroke, a stroke in my eye. Instead of hitting my brain, it hit my eye. And I lost vision at that point. And so then from that, that's, that injury is essentially what forced you out uh, from your dedication. Yeah, they figure, well, you can't shoot, so you're pretty much useless. Oh, wow. So, you know, I had to go to, uh, it's called medical hold. That's where they, they just keep you down there for like six months. And then one day they decide, well, you're no longer needed. You're medically retired and uh, have a nice day. So I had to uh, hang up my uniform. Here's the door, right? Yep, here's the door. And I had to, you know, my wife was down the shore with my, my newborn daughter, and I called her and told her, honey, I'm done. She's like, what do you mean you're done? I'm like, my career's over. And then I had, after that, I dealt with a lot of the depression. and I got into a deep, dark place. But I didn't use. I didn't drink or I didn't use at that point. That's Because then, then I figured it would just double the problems that I'm having. It's not going to do, do me any better. You know, I, uh, my, my situation with uh, – very, very different in terms of significance. Uh, I played college hockey for a little bit, and um, head injuries uh, just wouldn't allow me to play anymore. And it was kind of the same thing. I talked to the coach and said, and best of luck to you and, and move on. And, um, you know, watched my teammates go on to win national title and, and take runner-up two years following. It's, it was something that I struggled with, addic- you know, pills, use of pills, um, played around with some alcohol for a little bit and just ultimately in a really deep, dark spot at one point. And uh, so I can, I can relate on a certain level to what you're referencing with the depression, stuff like that, just a very, very dark time and, and not a whole lot of hope uh, or light 
to be shed at, at those moments. But good for you for uh, realizing that that wasn't rock bottom. It was just kind of a rocky, rocky uh, situation for you. And, and obviously, you've maneuvered out of that pretty well. Um, well, it seems like my whole life I've always had to fight and battle through stuff. So it's kind of like, all right, you know, I'll suck it up and, it, you know, we'll battle it and see what, you know, what, what comes next. You know, for you, that's, uh, that's and so, you're, so you're a big hockey fan, a huge hockey fan. Yeah. Well, I want to let you know that Kyle Palmieri from the New Jersey Devils is one of the nicest guys that you'll yes. ever meet. You work I, with him. Well, I'm actually going to, on uh, Veterans Day, he got me tickets for me and my wife to go down to see the game at, at uh, at the Rock. That's and, so awesome. Yeah. And then, and I have a hat that I wear that he actually sent me from him, from him that I wear all the time to give him thanks and honor for uh, what he does for veterans. That That's uh, awesome. There's, you know, um, I know like in the base, Detroit, uh, our, we get, I don't know, maybe it's like this in every city, but in Detroit, it feels like uh, the fans get pretty close with their athletes. Uh, and a lot of those well, actually the game that we're going to, it's New Jersey versus Detroit. Oh, is it really? On Veterans Day. Yeah. That's awesome. Unfortunately, Detroit's got a pretty bad product to watch right now. So it should be an enjoyable game for you guys, but that's so, amazing. Uh, some of these athletes, uh, particularly hockey players, different breed, different culture. Um, you know, not to say that no, no other athlete is, is like that, but um, really, really amazing what they, what they do and to show, show their, you know, um, love and gratitude for, for what you guys have done for us. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. I just wanted, no, I just, no, came awesome. into my head, you know, I'm really glad to hear that. And, and it's, I'm sure it's well-deserved. Uh, we need to do some more stuff like that for everybody, but definitely our, our servicemen and women, but, um, so circling back on this, let's go back to that Facebook, uh, event and, and what you're working with, with the entrepreneurial side of things for veterans and kind of just take us through that. Well, like I said, I'm a part of the Vetrepreneur tribe. Um, and, and it's a guy named Andrew O'Brien started it and he had a lot, I can uh, relate cause he had a lot of different issues. Uh, and, and so I, I joined that group probably about a year ago. And I started getting more involved in, and because um, then I, I kept on seeing, you know, veterans that were like, like me, you know, that were dealing with, you know, because now since I got ran over, I got the depression, you know, the post-traumatic stress, you know, traumatic brain injuries. And, and I was getting help. And then a lot of these guys, you know, because, you know, we're supposed to be these rough and tough guys. And like my Facebook live, this, last Monday was called, um, why don't we ask for help? You know, cause a lot of times, you know, we're always willing to help somebody else. If somebody has our opinion, we'll give it, but we're never asking somebody, you know, I'm really struggling with this. You know, uh, I need help. It's, um, it's something Nate and I would talk about quite a bit. And I, I talk about with uh, people often is just the, for men in general, obviously it's improving a little bit, but it's, it's, um, the world society is not really conducive to sharing your emotions, uh, what you're really feeling as a man. Um, and then when you do, you kind of at times ridiculed for it. It's again, it's starting to change a little bit, but, uh, when you start looking at, you know, sport culture or, you know, definitely military culture, it's kind of just a sweep it under the rug. You're not that person. You, that's yeah. not who you are. You're, you, you just said it, you're the rough and tough type people. Uh, and the reality is, that's not who really anybody is that that's kind of facade that you put on. And, and unfortunately society has kind of driven that <clears throat> to 
we don't we don't do a whole lot of out of love anymore uh or maybe we have never i don't i'm not sure but it's a it's a very strange time uh, where people are trying to get everybody to open up but it doesn't feel like a very safe space um and, and that that's frustrating for someone that I, I like to think of myself as a you know the masculine feminine two sides of it i'm, I'm in touch with both i think um but, but man it's tough to really put yourself out there and try to help through your own vulnerability. So I can, I can definitely appreciate that. And, and why don't we talk? You know, well, like, like when I did my interview with Donnie the first time um, we were talking and then we just started talking off air. He's like, did you ever see the movie eight mile? And I was like, yeah, I seen it. He's like, go back and watch it again. I want you to think about it. So I watched it and I watched the end, you know, where you, he went out and his last battle rap, he told the guy everything that he ever did about him. And he had nothing else to say. So I decided the next day to go out on Facebook and put out everything I've ever done on Facebook. And the only reason I did it is so people can say, well, if that dude's been through it, I can get through it. Right. You know, you know, okay, I've been a drug addict. Okay, now what? You know, I've been an alcoholic. Now what? I have a beautiful wife. I got a beautiful house. I got beautiful kids. Now what? You know, what's the, your excuse? You know, what can the person's excuse be? Okay, I got ran over, but I didn't need use drugs. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's true connection through vulnerability and, and just uh, sharing, sharing your path, essentially. You know, struggle breeds progress. There's no question yeah. about it. And, um, and now you're trying to use your struggles as a way to, to progress society, and, and particularly men in this situation, and particularly service men and women, essentially, right? And, and people can see if you're being real. You know, they'll, they'll call bullshit in a minute. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, authenticity is tough to find, but man, when you find it, you, you feel like you're drawn to it pretty, pretty. Like I used to, I used to go speak in jails and rehabs and they'll call you out in a minute. If they think you, you know, if you're, if you're BSing, they, they can call you out in a second. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. It's, I'm sure it's a different world in there too. Um, that That's truly amazing. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that you are leading that charge as well. I know there's, there's several people out there, but it, it's got to happen at the ground level too. You know, you, you have these people that are influencers or whatever, you know, whatever they're doing and, and they're spreading really great messages, but it's hard for people to connect with people that are making millions of dollars a year sometimes because they just, they don't see that picture yet. Um, you know, they don't see where they can be successful by sharing their, what's going on in their heart and their mind. Um, yeah. what, what's really holding them back. And usually it's themselves. Um, it's that mindset, but, um, Kudos to you for, for making yourself vulnerable, putting your true self out there and your experiences and trying to progress yourself forward, but bring a team with you. Uh, you know, that's essentially leadership right there. And, and no wonder you got that second chance in the military. It, it, again, you, you know, you said 9-11 changed you, but I think it, did. it really did. It, it changed. It changed my whole. That's why, like a lot of times, like every year on 9-11, I watch everything because it brings that day back to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would argue that it didn't change you. I think maybe it just shed the light of who you really are. You know, it brought Richard, you know, who you really are out to the world. And here you are doing some really amazing things. That's this. That, I mean, we could end the interview right there and I'd be like this. That was sweet. But um, I want to know more about the veterans and, and what, what's going on with them. What is their number one complaint when they when they start working with you, when you talk with them? Um, is it in transition? Is it the lack of help and support? Is it the transition? It's kind of like, um, I would say, I mean, it's not for everybody. Okay. So it's just on average, um, when you get out of the military, say if you were 
like I was a tank commander. Say if you do 24, 20 years in the military, what skill set do you have when you're coming out of the military, when you only know how to be a tank commander, right. you know? But we, we kind of forget all the training that we've been through, you know, we, all the leadership training, you know, how, how to deal with people. So a, heart of it, a lot of it is just trying to figure out, all right, how do I translate these skills that I have into the workplace now, you know? Like you tell, if you tell a soldier, all right, I need to be, you need to be here at five o'clock in the morning. He's going to be there at 445. He's going to be, you know, you give him a job, he's going to do it. You know, there's not a whole lot of gray area where in, in the civilian sector, there's all gray area, you know, where it's like, if you're a military, you're like, all right, this is the rule. I do this. I don't do that. And you have to kind of figure out, you know, well, where am I going to fit in and, because you, if you get a guy straight out of the military and he gets a job in your office and you're supposed to be there at eight o'clock, he's going to be there early, leave on time, leave, you know, or stay late. And he's going to continue kicking ass while everybody's sitting there taking breaks and, and screwing off on Facebook. And, you know, and then he starts feeling like, wait a minute, I don't understand what's going on. Here. Yeah. So they can get frustrated at, at that, you know? That's my, yeah. I, I mean, I always assumed that was partially the structure, um, but you, you kind of, detailing that like uh, the way you did makes a lot more sense of what, what makes that transition difficult uh but i can i can understand what it means to have all these skills but not acknowledge them because you've been so direct with that skill set you know i i referenced my buddy earlier um he's you know he's high up at one of the big three and he's like i don't it's not because i'm skilled at what i do he's like it's i'm skilled with leadership he's like i, I led teams in the middle of combat and stuff you know skill set that when understood how to transfer to other things yeah you know it's a skill set that serves you for anything yeah. or even like in, i hear a lot of it you know guys they get stressed out say if i get a job at your firm and we have to get something done we don't go home until the mission is complete <laughs> you know it's like wait what do you mean you're going home the mission is not complete and then he then they feel like okay well, why am i the only one pushing so hard if everybody is just there for the paycheck and not worried about the mission right you know that makes sense yeah i can i i guess i don't understand the struggle but i can i can appreciate what that struggle is the person that does go home and just like oh, we'll see it tomorrow but yeah so that, that's that's really interesting I'm, I'm glad that they have an outlet and uh somebody that's taken that transition and move forward and, and can show them kind of the a pathway to maneuvering and, and utilizing their skills to do something else that's productive and, and more civilian like yeah um, there's, there's no way to mesh the world of military and civilian life, I'm sure, other than just trying to take skills and apply them in different spots. Yeah, it's like a lot of guys that get out of the military, they go to be police officers, firefighters, because it, it's along the same lines as, you know, rank structure and all that. But I think most, most military people are more likely to be entrepreneurs than they are to work for somebody else. Uh, they're, they're driven. It's just a matter of finding that thing that, allows them to kind of be driven by it. Right. And I think that for you, you found, you found it um, yeah. or, or by choice, you know, whatever it might, whatever words you want to use there. But um, I think it's really just finding that something that you can latch onto and say, here's where I'm going to put my energy. Um, that that's, I don't know. That, that whole thing's fascinating to me. I know we were talking uh, offline here about obviously much less significant or different significance, but the exit strategy, it's just not there. Uh, yeah. we, I talk about this about pro athletes how can you take somebody that's literally dedicated their life to one thing and become 
in, you know, the top point, you know, 10% of people doing it. I don't care if they made $14 billion, they still need a purpose. They still need a drive or their, their life is going, their course, depression, anxiety. You know, we see this with some of these athletes, suicide, addiction, you, you, we miss as, as, you know, the people, the, the fan, the fanatics, we miss the whole thing of, you know, when you're injured, the pills, uh, the medical training, all these things that cr- kind of breed a, you know, a Petri dish of, of disease, essentially mental disease that don't allow this exit. There's no exit strategy. So what do you do when you have somebody that military professional athlete, whatever it might be when they have to change? Like I have a lot of guys that are friends that are professional athletes and the, the average um, career of a, NFL players, 3.2 years. Right. So what happens at that 3.3 year when you're, you're out of the league, you know, and you're broke and you don't have anything to fall back on? You know, like a lot of these guys, you know, not all of them. I mean, like there's some guys that I know, like personally, like uh, Gronkowski, you know, he's smart. He hasn't touched a game check yet. Clearly. He only lives off endorsements. Right. Put it, put and he lives in the same house with his parents, you know, with his father, you know? Yeah. But you, these guys that come out, you know, they, they like, look at, I'm a basketball fan and a, and a football fan. So you look at Allen Iverson, you know, $400 million he made during his career and he's bankrupt. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you have to, it's what, you know, but then you see a lot of these football players that they didn't have a long football career but they did 25 years in broadcasting. You know, they did something while they were in the league to try to, you know, uh, further their career and not just be in and out in three years. Sure. And, and I think, I think it's a huge mistake for, for them, obviously an athlete, it's a different story. There's opportunities galore. I, I, when you're in the military, it's, it's not the same story, but it's, the exit strategy is, is to me very similar where it's just like, how do you take someone that's dedicated to one thing and they miss it. Obviously, with an athlete, they most of them can create a platform where it's like, what is it you want to do? Investing or different opportunities to work and stuff like that. Um, you know, so that's tough. I'm being visited by Odin here, or house dog. What's up, Odin? Um, you know, it's uh, what's up, Eric? Um, so it, it's it's tough to understand that, but with the military, that, that platform isn't there. It's truly just you're serving the country, and then all of a sudden you're out. You know, there's no well, that's why I like one thing is after I got my second chance in the military and I became a, a NCO, it's called a non-commissioned officer. I took it very seriously where I wanted to get these kids to have a better life and have something afterwards. So I actually had them start doing correspondence courses and try to get college credits and stuff like that to start preparing them for afterwards. That's awesome. That, that's terrific. I, I think that that's kind of the mentorship that, that sounds like it might be missing or it's just not talked about a lot, or maybe it's, maybe it's there and it's not utilized. I'm, I'm not sure how that works. Well, cause most guys, if they go in now, they go in for six years, get their, get their uh, money for college and they're out. You know, there's not a, really a whole lot of people that make the whole career out of it. Yeah, sure. Or, you know, a lot of times you'll get a kid that's in for a year, goes over Afghanistan gets a bullet in him, And now he's out and he's, a disabled veteran at 19, you know, then you're like, you know, so it's a whole different, that's a whole different animal you have to deal with. Sure. sure. Well, and a whole host of mental uh, things there too. Yeah. On top exactly. of yeah. 
um, that that's that's amazing. Uh, I'm sure there's there's intricacies there that go unspoken and and unappreciated, and there, there's a lot there for military. And you and I talked about it a little bit earlier that we don't do enough uh, for our, our our veterans or retired veterans, um, but we don't do enough for mental health in general in this country. Well, that's what we were, I wanted to talk about. Like I'm involved in a foundation um, and what they, they let the awareness out. Cause most people have heard about the 22 a day, right? I'm sure you've heard about that, but the real number is 35 a day. It's um, 22 veterans, one active duty soldier and the rest are first responders. So first it's, so it's 35 first responders a day commit suicide. That's what, that's my goal is to get that number down to zero. That's, that's what my goal is. That's my mission now. But most people don't know that number. They, you know, they'd be shocked. It's interesting. The 20, the 22 a day makes your jaw drop and kind of scratch your head of why isn't there change happening? You know, maybe there is change happening. It's just not happening fast enough. But when you put a number out like 35, it's too much for that one specific niche of people. Yeah. But then also, I'm also involved with a lot of suicide different. Um, the average is 128 suicides in the United States every day. One every five minutes. And it's, you know, I went through this when, when Nate and I first kind of started the podcast. I, I wasn't sure. It's something I enjoy doing. I love my whole life. I enjoy learning about people and their, you know, where they're going, how they got, where they're, you know, what they're doing, all these things. And I, I remember sitting, I was living in Colorado last year, and I remember just sitting there kind of really frustrated about, like, what am I doing this for? What's the purpose? What? And then I was kind of like, the anxiety really was taking over me. And like, just shut it down, it's pointless. And then I kind of thought to myself, going back to my, my struggles with, you know, I've attempted suicide, all these things. And uh, it was just kind of, I had to write a note to myself. I'm not okay sitting idly by understanding that, there are people out there that think they're not good enough or they're not worthy of living life and, and finding purpose for themselves and joy. I, I don't, it, it scares me to think that there's people in the room with you that, that are struggling with these things and myself included. It just seems like such an unreasonable thing to be struggling with, but yet a large part of the population in the world are struggling with these things and we're not, there's people out there advocating for it, but we just, we're not set up to support it very well. And it, it's, kind of pisses you off well it does piss you off uh, yeah it, it's bullshit because how, how can we sit there and talk about human life and all these possibilities we're gonna do this and that for you and then we don't we don't make suicide prevention like this this thing you know the mental health coverage in our country is yep and we don't keep it real you know like a lot of times like if if me and you were hanging out and i'd be like hey bro how you doing you'd be like i'm all right yeah. and that's it we won't get any deeper there's no conversation about any of it. Um, you know, there's not, you know, because there, a lot of people, if somebody asks you, well, how you're doing? And you start telling them, they'll be like, oh, all he does is complain. You know, so, you know, people are like, you know, I'm just not going to say anything. Right. It's, it's a double-edged sword right there. Yeah. I've got plenty to say, but nobody wants to listen. So what do I yep. do? Um, it's just the coverage in our country is, is pitiful at best. Um, and and I, I, I commend people for, like yourself, uh, the people that are going into school for to be therapists, and I have a friend that's at the VA here in Mich uh, at the University of Michigan right now, uh, while she's finishing up her PhD, and every day she comes in, she just you know kind of 
for lack of better terms, deer in headlights. I know she can handle it, but it's, it's a lot to digest. Um, and yeah. it's just one population of, of our, of our society. And it, it's scary as hell and, and nobody deserves, um, to feel unheard. Uh, it's just, it, it kind of takes your breath away. It kind of, it, I can't find the words for it still. You know, I, I think about this stuff quite a bit and I still can't really put it fully into words. Into, yeah, into that's why when my book comes out, it'll be out, like you said, probably next month. Half of the, the, half of the book is my life story. And then the rest of the book is about um, how to see signs of depression, how to uh, see signs of addiction. And then the last couple pages is just going to be how people can get help and have different resources. I love it. I love yeah. it. You know, and, and I guess that's one of my questions of when you're helping veterans, just people in general, your clients, uh, being a trainer very much, uh, everybody jokes like, Oh, it's like a therapy session. Well, it is. Uh, I don't, you, you know, you just said it, mind, body and spirit, you know, yeah. it's all encompassing training, being in a gym, working for your health is not just eat a salad and, and, um, you know, run a mile. It it's, where are you at spiritually? Where are you and Especially, at? you know, people don't realize if a person's like, say, overweight, there's a reason why they're overweight. You know, right. there's the underlying issues. Why did you, you know, what, what are you running away from? You know, were you stress eating? You know, were you going through depression? Right. You know, but a lot of trainers, they're just there to count reps and not care about the person, the individual, you know. And, and now we're talking about root, right? The root of everything is yeah. what is that? What is that little voice inside your head saying to you? Um, that is, that is not allowing, I struggle with it all the time. I made a YouTube video about the little voice in your head, how I try to do it. Not always successful, but now I'm actually, I'm actually doing one on, uh, on Monday night. It's called don't let people live rent free in your head. If they're not paying your rent. That's Wow, this is this is awesome. You're you're referencing uh, episodes prior to this one um, that that Nate and I have done about renting space, just yeah. mental space. Because uh, you you let people stay there, you know, and then you just keep on repeating the videos over and over and over again, you know. And yeah. the people they, they might be dead; they're not even around anymore, and you're still letting them rule your life. Well, and, and so much of this stuff too is is the they call it the little child in you, right? I mean, it's it's the child that had an experience and just put them together and thought, this is who I am. And you're like, that's not who you are. That was one experience out of, you know, millions of them that happened in one day. Yeah. And, and so we, we create this story and right now in my life, that's what I'm working through. Of what was that story that was told and how do I change the story now? And um, it's true, you know, cause like sometimes it might even just be a little sentence that somebody said to you when you were a kid and that stuff still sits in your head and, at the age of 50, you're still thinking that shit. And you're like, wait a minute, it could, that it person's could, dead and gone, you know? Friend, parent, grandparent, and they were having a bad day and they just reacted. Yeah. Had, had no intention at all of, of doing that, but it sticks with you. And you might not even know that that's the event. It could just be, it's just there. And, and yep. the story started from there. You know, it, it's crazy to think that so much of it is there. And, and I guess I think that maybe I'm, this is, this is me maybe guessing here, but like with military, the story has been created for them. And you know, whether it's three years, four years of, of service, that's all they know for that three or four years. And there's no other opportunity. So you're kind of alone with those thoughts and the story kind of circles around. And then you're like, well, this is all I do. Yeah. No, this is not all you do. You have, and you said it, there's so many applicable skills that you develop. We are just applying them here. Yeah. 
you can apply that anywhere else and become successful and purpose driven and, and rewarded from what you are doing. And, and it's, it's scary to think that people um, don't see it. And I know that a lot of people in my life will look at me and hear that and they'll say, why don't you take your own advice? Um, and, and I hear, I hear myself speak it sometimes. It's just, it is hard in application. It is very difficult to break the habit of that, that cyclical loop in your head. And it's hard to go off on the other side of it and say, this is what I'm doing. It takes that's like, the funny thing is like when I do my lives, the, I do it to the people on my page, my, my regular page. So that's 5,000 people that actually know me. Right. So I have to be accountable. You know what I'm saying? I can't just talk about it and then not be about it. And, and you know what I'm saying? I was just talking to my mom about this yesterday. I was like, man, success kind of is scary. You know, uh, you start tasting a little bit of success and I can't imagine what it's like being a, you know, famous athlete like that. You make one false, you know, wrong move and everybody's all over you and yeah. you're not allowed to make a mistake. Uh, but man, part of being successful is being responsible. And it's not that you have to be famous to be successful or make millions of dollars. But when you're in the spotlight like that, that's, that's hard to manage mistakes and, and, you know, whatever it might be. But as, as you yourself start kind of becoming more responsible, responsibility is hard. You know, you got to show up every single day to get after it. And a lot of times I think that's hurt is you're not allowed to make a mistake. Yeah. You know, and, and that becomes, a, that becomes a whole nother uh, ball of wax right there, but yeah. um, that, that's impressive. So I want, let's lighten it up a little bit for, for uh, the audience here. Um, I know you, you said you're working with a ton of athletes you're out in New Jersey. What's your favorite part about the fitness journey you've experienced um, working with clients? What is it that you feel so connected with? I just like seeing people succeed. You know, I, I like to see people, you know, I've always been that guy that I've always wanted to be the connector. I like people connecting people. I like, you know, people being, you know, like even in my, a couple, about a year ago, I met a guy named Gary V. I'm sure you know who that is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I got, I went, he said he was going to be down at his father's wine store in, in New Jersey. So I went down and actually sat and talked to him for a couple of minutes. And he was telling me, uh, I need you to pick up my book. And he, I don't think he was just trying me to sell me a book, but it was called the thank you economy. And it's just how you could be successful if you just support you, other people in life. So what I started doing is like now, I know it's weird. Some people say, why do you do it? I don't know. But every day I go into my messenger and the top 10 people that are in my messenger that are active, I sent a message to them, you know, just wanted to say thank you. You're loved and appreciated. And, and like, if I see my friends' businesses, I will promote my friends 10 times more than I'll ever promote myself. So now, like, I did a Facebook Live on Monday. It was shared 47 times and seen over 1,200 times. Wow. Just because, you know, I give, 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 give. And people are like, all right, you know, he's the real deal. You know, he's just trying to help people. You know, he's, he's not here to make money on any, you know. Right. Like, even the book that I'm going to sell, 35% of the profits are going to a foundation. That's awesome. You know, because exactly. of, of the 35. I'm right. selling it for $35.22 just because of 35 and 22. Yeah. But 35 awesome. but the money's going to go to the uh, profit, you know. That's it's all about helping other people. I can't wait for it to come off to get my hands on it for sure. Yeah, it's, it's called The Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. 
Cool, cool. I mean, and before this, we wrap this up, I'm going to have you remind everybody about that. But um, I love, you know, like I say, in the whole fitness thing, like I had a lady come in yesterday, Monday. She lost 165 pounds just following what I – and she's off all of her medications. Wow, that's, that's awesome. It, and you know, it's a – I just did – I recorded – I just actually published it last night, um, an episode about consistency versus intensity. You know, it, it, all things in life, and I struggle with this mightily, um, all things in life are just about showing up first and foremost. Like it, you, you can't, you can't move forward without showing up, Yeah. learning and doing all these things. And, and that's, but you, you said something earlier that, that resonated with me. You said something effective, you know, connecting people. That's what I, like, like somebody asked me on one of my groups, they're like, what do you want to be known for? I want to be known as the connector. I want to be know, you know, well, if, if Frank needs a mechanic, and Joe's a mechanic, I want to connect them. And then it seems like if you start connecting all these people, they start looking at you, but, and you're like, wait a minute, he's helping us, let's help him. Yeah. So it all kind of, it creates a... It's, it's funny you say it like that. I, I think that the word connect, it's, it can be placed in so many different ways. I love connecting with people. I, I think that everybody loves talking about themselves, whether they say it or not. And yeah. when you get people actually starting to talk about themselves, number one, if it's negative, they start hearing what they're saying. Instead of just saying it, they're like, well, that, that does not sound really that great. You know, that's not who I am. I'm better than this. And usually they are. Um, or they need a little help getting out of that rut. And that's awesome. It takes time. We're, we've both experienced that and are experiencing every day. Um, but I love just when people start talking about themselves, they kind of start getting this glow, this energy. And you're like, that. Go with that because that's who you are and everybody likes telling their story because everybody's got it. Everybody has a story to share and it's somewhere on this planet, somebody else resonates with it. And so you well, every, everybody listens to the same radio station. Right. W I I F M. What's in it for me? Right. So if you can get and I was told by some, you know, sales mentors, if you can get a person talking about themselves, they will buy everything you ever want to sell them. Right. Because then yeah. And it, it's just, I don't know, to me, I've always had this, I've always been a pretty insecure person struggling with, you know, body image and, and just confidence. And it's funny because everybody I know, they're like, when they find out, they're like, what? You come across such a confident person. I'm like, I, and that's because I try to make it all about you. I beat the shit out of myself. Yeah. Make a vulnerability connection there. And then when you get talking, I build you up. Uh, yeah. There's something about the energy you get from seeing other people kind of shed the light, shed the layers in like, just kind of start to blossom and, and get excited about what they're doing, where they want to go and all these things. And I think that there's, I, I don't know, man, people drive the world and good people can drive the world if we just bring it out of them. Uh, so you you say you like connecting people to people. I do. Yeah, I love it. You know, and like, that's part of the reason I do the pocket. People ask me, what's your dream? I'm like, I would love to make a living out of just talking to people. Yeah. I, think, I think it's so much fun. I like hearing people's stories. And I like learning from their experiences. And sometimes when you talk to a person, you're getting something out that you never thought you would even get out of them. Absolutely. Like I got a, a funny story to tell. And I've never mentioned this in any podcast before. So you're the first. Um, years ago, when Lennox Lewis was fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world, he was fighting out of Caesars. And I got to run his training camp for a couple fights. And everybody thought that he was, you know, because he, he was like 6'5", 250, you know, they thought he was a real badass. And I would always tell people, 
But you know that his mother cooks every meal he's ever eaten. He doesn't eat out of restaurants. And he's such a humble guy that you would never think, you know, you know, you see this big guy, you know, and his English accent comes out. And you're like, wait, it's like, wait a minute. He's like, and then you see him eating his lunch that his mom made. Him. I'm like, you know, that's kind of cool when you can see like the professional athletes that I work with, they're really humble people that you would never thought that were, you think they were going to be, you know, idiots, like the undertaker from the WWE. I really thought he was going to be a badass. And we sat and we had lunch and I started talking to him. He's like, dude, just call me Mark. I'm like, how cool is that? The undertaker, like, just call me Mark. Oh my God. You know? Man, I love the undertaker. Undertaker. You know, but I thought he would have been such an arrogant guy. Just like when I met, uh, got to hang out with Kurt Angle. You know, we talked for like a half hour and I, I thought, you know, I'm like, I got to go, you know, because I don't want to take up too much of your time. Right, He's like, yeah. no, come on, just stop. We're hanging out. We're talking. It, so it, sometimes, you know, you think the people that are going to be the, you know, maybe the worst interview, they come out to be like the best interview you've ever had, you know? And it's, it's so true. Uh, you can always assume the worst, and, and a lot of times the best just ends up happening. Um, yeah. I guess sometimes you call it managing expectations, but for whatever reason, just look for the best in everything, and it works out. But that's, that's really awesome. Uh, I think – I think we have this kind of view or how these people live their lives and they've got to just be annoyed with common folk, you know? Um, but they probably love just being able to connect and, and talk and not have to sign autographs all the time. And yeah, like I have guys that come in my, my store all the time. They, they, they play either for the giants or the jets or, uh, you know, the wrestlers that come in and they are like, they just come in to hang out and talk, you know, cause I'm, you know, cause I know their real name, you know, I know, I know their family, you know, so it's kind of like they can just relax and not have to be on all the time. Right. And, you know, it's, it's funny we talk about that in, in Detroit. Uh, a lot of the athletes you know, live uh, near where we live, and it, it's not uncommon to see them out the bars and stuff like that. And everybody, oh, that's so-and-so. And you're like, they're just living their life, man. <laughs> Let them go yeah. and play the beer they're drinking or whatever they're doing. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it, it, there's something about it. Like, yeah, it's cool to see them out. It's cool because you're like, they're one of us. They're yeah. one of us too. Don't get that wrong, but don't don't make it to be so they're not one of us now. And it's funny, like you know, like I I see a lot of people, you know, like I went to a striper concert. Don't make fun of me, all right? <laughs> um, a couple months ago, and I and I looked to my right, and there's Chris Jericho, hanging out in the crowd. You know, not with you know, not in a private setting. He was just hanging out with the crowd. I'm like, that is so awesome. You know, you get somebody like that, it'll just. They just want to hang out and be themselves, you know? Yeah, that, that, is, uh, that is really amazing. Um, so I think I got a couple of questions for you before we wrap this up. And, and just from my curiosity alone, um, what do you think is the most difficult part of getting, helping a veteran or people in general realize that they, that they are in control or that they can live a, a joyful life specifically out of some of the struggles and the holes that they're sitting in? Uh, getting them to talk, building a trust, you know, like, like I said, you know, now that we've talked and hopefully we're going to connect on, you know, Facebook and all that. I got a feeling. I, we I consider the people that I talk to actually friends. I'm not that Facebook friend. Right. We're like, I'll message you, you know, how are you doing today? And they'll come back. I'm okay. Then I, then I'll write back. All right. I'm calling bullshit on this. How are how you really? doing? How, yeah, exactly. Then, 
then when they know that, you know, you're trustworthy, that if whatever's said between us is not going to go anywhere else, then they can open up and talk to you. Sure, sure. You know, and I, and, I, and I try to be that guy to, you know, you know, if you're having problems with whatever, I'm there for you and it goes no further. It's just between us, you know, because I might have a problem and you could help me with. So I don't, you know, I don't want to put my certain shit out there either, you know. Sure, it's people helping people, but it, it's, it's uh, very clear. It was very clear for me right, right away that uh, you are that person um, that, that actually cares and is there and support people. It, it, even, even through a computer screen and, and several hundred miles here, uh, it, it, it is very easy to pick up on. So, so kudos to you. I keep saying the word kudos. I don't know where that came from, but um, props to you. Uh, that, I think that's um, the world needs more of that. And I, I think that hopefully by doing these things, we can kind of just, it's just like putting headphones in and just hearing better stuff. You know, yep, and, that's why I listen. I don't even watch the news anymore. You know, and I, just, I just listen to my podcast, you know, right, right. Like, that, I, I, I listen to like Ed Milet. I've actually connected with him now. That's so awesome. hopefully we're going to be doing something in the future. Very, you know? very cool. And a lot of times, you know, they say you are the average of the five people you hang out with the most. So even if you're just listening constantly every day, they're becoming part of your life and you are actually hanging out with them in your mind. Right. So make, you actually start, you know, living like that. Sure. And yeah, make that positivity the drug, right? Yeah. That's, that's one addiction that I think is okay. Yeah. And then, you can't overdose. Right, right. And I, I, think it's, I think it's great that you, you have a platform and you continue to build that platform to, to allow people to come be vulnerable, to have a voice. Um, to understand that they're not alone, and and that that's really amazing, uh, Richard. I'm I'm super pumped, and um, I got some kind of weird energy going on with me right now. I, I can't like chills and like I don't know something about you, man. You kind of inspired me, and, and to I, this whole podcast, uh, this interview, I've been sitting there thinking about what is holding me back. Um, why am I not taking steps further to just do what what essentially makes sense to me and it makes me feel good, and and that's just continue to spread the word and, and help people and be there for people. And however you do that, I'm sure it's always evolving. Um, so that, I think that is awesome. Keep up, keep the good fight going. Um, I think it's you know, okay with you. I, I hopefully we'll be able to do this again. I think this will not be the last of us, Richard. Uh, uh, this has been really fun, but um, before I ask this final question, uh, where can people go to find you? What do you suggest them doing and listening to anything like that? Um, they can follow me. I'm playing is just Richard Kaufman, um, K-A-U-F-M-A-N, and I'm sure it'll be in the liner notes. Um, I can't accept any more friends because I'm at the limit. For some reason, Facebook limits me. But Hit that follow button. Yeah, but you can hit the follow button. Um, or they can actually find me on uh, uh, what is Twitter and Instagram at the Comeback, the, the come, uh, the comeback Coach. Uh, the best way to get in touch with me, honestly, is just message me through Facebook because awesome. I'm always, uh, that's the way I'm mostly at all the time, cool. you know, and I'll make sure all the notes and then yeah. and everything too. So be sure to share, be sure to share that. Um, and then I also want you to mention the book one more time. It's releasing uh, soon. Oh, yep. Yeah. Oh, what happened is I had, I, I actually handwritten the whole thing. There now I had to ask my 13 year old son to tell me what Microsoft Word was. <laughs> So now I have to input it all into Microsoft Word. Um, it's called a Hero's Journey, and it's not about me being a hero, and I actually explain that in the book. It's the heroes that ran in on 9-11 when everybody else was running. They ran in, 
and it's called A Darkness to Light. And I'm so blessed that I actually got a quote from the Christopher Reeve Foundation to put in the, as the first page of the book. And I'm really blessed. And it's, it's one of his quotes about being a hero under pressure. And it all has to do with the first responders and stuff like that, that they're the real heroes in life. So that's where the hero's journey comes in. That's, that's awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I know you explained that the 3522 and yep. the significance of that. And, you know, obviously 9-11 is, uh, for, for the world, a tremendous event. Um, super significant, detrimental for, for the U.S., um, and I think the world in general, uh, I think that that was just, it was detrimental overall. Uh, but for a lot of us, it, it's, it's that rock bottom. And for you, yeah. it, sounds like it was that. And, and so there is significance and, and a positive significance that came out of that. And yeah. that was you, Richard, finding your purpose, drive and mission. And, and I think that through all darkness comes, comes something, right? There's something to be found in all of it and there's a purpose there for it. And so I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. I'm really Really stoked to to hear all the great things that you're doing, and I'm sure you will continue that on. Well, the funny part is, before that all happened, I shortened my name to Rick because I wanted to be somebody else that I wasn't. And on that day, after that day, I became Richard, and that because I actually found, you know, like you said, I I found my calling in life. That's so now when I, you know, now it's just Richard Kaufman. My wife knows knows me as Rick because we actually dated when we were 13, so she only knows me as Rick. There's a few. Get to keep it right yeah but the rest awesome. of it you know people ask me what is your name and you know, it's, it's richard you know awesome well richard before we wrap this up i got one final question for you uh kind of talked about this earlier but uh what is the impact or how do you see yourself impacting the world so that you and others can say that they lived a life well done all right here's here's my story it might take a second but i apologize i had two uncles and they were very close to me and they both died one was a young Christian man, maybe in his late 50s. When he died, everybody showed up to his funeral. I mean, it was people weeping, people crying. Um, they had to have like two or three services. And then my other uncle died as an you know, older gentleman at 75. But he was just a regular Joe, you know, not, and only the family showed up. And then I'm thinking to myself, what do I want to, when I die? What do I want? to happen at my funeral. I want people to sh have to do like four or five services. I wanted people show up to show up just to make sure that I'm dead. You know, I just, I just want to impact that many people in their lives that they can say, you know, that guy changed my life. My goal was to impact a million lives and to help them, you know, live a better life or actually just live and not take their lives. You know, that's my goal. I love it. I love it. Well, Richard, you have sparked me with some kind of energy right now. I can't tell if I'm, I'm ready to ball, you know, weep and, and cry right now. Um, or if I'm ready to just hit the, hit the ground running and get after these things, a combination of both. But, uh, I truly appreciate you, uh, being on here with me, spending your morning with me. It sounds like you're doing some really incredible things. And I hope that, uh, this is only the first of many uh, meetings with each other you know, always here to connect and help out whatever way I can with you. And, 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 uh, obviously the suicide is, is uh, awareness is very near and dear to my heart. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but obviously we can never be thankful enough for, for folks like yourself and, and other service men and women for, for the job and sacrifices they make for us. So, um, 
thank you so much for, for yeah. doing that and, and being a part of this and keep fighting the good fight, man. You change one life at a time. And, and I feel, I feel like there's something sparked for me. So thank you. Well, so much. I'll, I'll be thinking about you at the devil's game. And uh, the funny thing is my wife's a Detroit fan. I like her already. <laughs> so uh, I'll be thinking about you at the game. I don't want you guys to win, but I'll be thinking about you. Hey, the way it's going right now, we're on, we only have one win and we'll probably end up there. So it'll, it'll oh. be good for us. <laughs> I just want to thank you and thank your audience for taking the time to sit with me this morning. Absolutely. Best of luck and, and definitely keep in touch, Richard. All right, my brother. Cool. Thank you. Yep.